Welcome, everyone, to this week's edition of BAMS Radio. I'm your host, Drew Yarman, of course, with my usual two co-hosts, uh, and that would be Thomas the Wizard Watts the, in the city of Mobile. Uh, he does a great job producing, and we also, uh, you know, uh, he, he does, and he also, you know, uh, it does an outstanding job giving you unique aspects of numbers and breakdowns of our matchups, whether it be a preview or reviewing a game, uh, but absolutely, uh, you know, we uh, we look forward to talking about this 49-9 to beatdown of Mississippi State in Starkville. Alabama comes out and plays great football from start to finish, really their most complete performance of the year. And uh, the Crimson Tide now uh, moves on to the Tennessee Volunteers and one of their most storied rivalries. It won't be the, the, the uh, third Saturday in October like usual. But again, uh, it's one of those – it's one of those things where the University of Alabama is going to be heavily favored in that game. They're going to be heavily favored throughout the next, you know, uh, the rest of the schedule, honestly. But I think that the key thing for Alabama is to stay focused. They certainly were more focused with, uh, you know, Mississippi State and Starkville. And so they ended up doing a great job and taking care of business on the road. Now it's just can they build on it and get better each week? I think we've seen that this can be a high-level football team. Still, you know, not a perfect performance, but as close as they've had so far this year. And again, we've got William Redfish Barger with us, our third compadre, as always, from 89 to 93, a national champion with the University of Alabama. Always has great insight and, of course, his ear to the ground when it comes to the Crimson Tide. And we'll be talking some Alabama Crimson Tide football with you for really the next hour or so. Even a little basketball because – we had an interesting uh, private scrimmage where information was leaked out yesterday as the University of Alabama took on Georgia Tech. But first and foremost, we're going to talk Alabama football as always. And William, I thought it was Alabama's most complete 60 minutes of the year. Uh, it's a Mississippi State team that I think is really good on defense, uh, but Alabama wore them down. And then an offense that, at least for the last two years, Pete Golding and the defensive staff have had a good answer for yeah, and I, you know, I think my biggest takeaway from the game, Drew, was you know it looked like the kids were having fun, and uh, right. And I, I don't know if I've seen them have a lot of fun, maybe since the Miami game, but um, you know they played together. Everything was, uh, you know, I, I think for most part, you know, they played a pretty pretty much a mistake free game. Uh, you know, the defense was able to get on a roll and you know get some turnovers and. Um, you know, the offense, you know, scored in, you know, several different ways. Um, you know, you saw a, a new guy kind of emerge over there in the, the wide receiver rotation and, and Treshawn Holden, um, you know, big guy that's got some really good wheels. Um, you, you know, and, and I was kind of laughing at this as the game expired last night. The, the highlight of the game for me might have been watching uh, – the second team left tackle, Amari Kite, just absolutely maul people on the four or five reps that the second team O-line got there at the end of the game. Um, you know, I know Old Miss had pretty much packed it in. I mean, uh, Mississippi State had packed it in by then, but still, um, you know, it's, it's good to watch, a, you know, a young player that hasn't really established himself yet in the, in the you know, the five-man rotation that starts get out there and move somebody against their will from point A to point B. No doubt. And, William, I, I'm glad you always bring up those mentions of the second-team O-line. I know I was 
watching that group when they finally got in. I thought it was interesting. It's, it, it kind of uh, confirmed some things I had been hearing, uh, and that is that, uh, you know, J.C. Latham has been working at guard mostly. He was the second team right guard, and the second team right tackle was Damian George. Yeah, and, and you know, it's, it's uh, I guess, with the right tackle woes, I was thinking about this over the last couple of weeks, you know, the, the, the program's been so spoiled for the last seven or eight years, um, you know, having guys like, you know, Jonah Williams and Cameron Robinson that, you know, can come in and play from day one. Um, you know, even though Cam Rob did it, you know, from day one at left tackle, Jonah played a year at right tackle, then moved over. And, you know, then they kind of got into, um, you know, the Alex Leatherwood, Evan Neal mode of things where you play a year of guard and then you slide out to tackle and, you know, even though they had a guy, um, you know, four or five years ago that I think definitely um, was ready to go from day one and start as a true freshman, um, you know, in Jedrick Wills, um, I, I, I kind of thought maybe after the season started that that's what maybe you would see Latham, you know, go that route, the guard to tackle route. But, you know, he's really not built like a guard. Um, I certainly don't think that's his long-term position. Um, but we'll have to wait and see how the rest of the season plays out just to see how much time he spends there. But, you know, it was good to see that kind of updated second O-line unit get out there, even though it wasn't for very long. Um, you know, they opened up some holes and, um, you know, met, created some good running room on the ground. Yeah, they did. And I thought the running game was pretty good. Brian Robinson, uh, you know, with over 70 yards rushing. And then Roy Dell Williams, Williams. I thought he really stepped up and provided some juice to the running game. He had a long run late of about 29 yards, and he helped him take air out of the football. But uh, he seems to be settling in as the number two back. We saw a little bit of Trey Sanders with him. He's still not totally back, I don't think, from the injury, even though it's been a remarkable recovery. And I know they've had some issues with him playing without the ball as far as pass protection and as a receiver. Maybe we will see him continue to grow in his role. But – I'm really excited about Roy Dell Williams. I just hope these guys stay healthy. You can't really, you know, uh, afford, afford any more injuries to the position. But I'm also happy for Brian Robinson, who had a the longest play of his career, a 51-yard catch and run against the Blitz for a touchdown. Had three touchdowns on the night and is very, very quietly having an all-SEC season for Alabama. Yeah, and, and I agree with you. I think, you know, uh, you know, given the current status of the running back room, I think Robinson and Williams are a good one-two punch. You know, they're different backs. You know, obviously Robinson's a lot bigger bodied guy. Um, you know, Roy Dell's a guy that, that you know, look, looks like he's at top speed. Once he hits the line of scrimmage, it doesn't take him very long to get wound up and, and get going. Um, you know, his development, I think, is, you know, important going forward, you know, that he um, – you know, does good in the pass protection stuff and, um, you know, in, in uh, hot routes, you know, in the receiving game and stuff. Um, you know, I thought it was another great game by Bryce Young. I, you know, after watching the game, you know, I, I think if Doug Marone can, you know, I saw it a couple of times last night and it's just, you know, O-line common sense 101. I think if Marone can do a better job of getting that starting five to understand, you know, blitz pickup concepts and pass pro principles, 
um, you know, as far as, you know, guys stunning and twisting and, you know, picking up the penetrator and passing off the looper um, between the guards and tackles. You know, this, this offense has a chance to, um, you know, as long as guys keep emerging, um, you know, I think this offense has a chance to, to be really nasty, you know, by the end of the year. Um, but they've still got to get a lot of that blitz pickup and pass pro stuff cleaned up up front. Bryce Young is, you know, still under a lot of pressure. Um, I thought it was better last night, certainly, than it was, you know, against Texas A&M. But um, that, that was really the only negative takeaway. I mean, I thought the offensive line, um, you know, played a lot better as a whole. But that's that's where this weakness is. Um, you know, you saw it against, you know, A&M when they overloaded the left side. And, you know, it's, it, it's pretty easy to, you know, figure out. Um, you always want to take the guy that's the closest threat to the quarterback. So if you're playing left guard and, you know, a guy comes through the A-gap, you know, whether you've got a guy in front of you or not, if there's not a running back back there standing next to the quarterback in pass protection, you've got to come off that, that guy that you're on and, and hope that, you know, Evan Neal sees it and he comes off of his guy and you pick up that A-gap penetrator. And that, that seems to be where, you know, this O-line is, is lacking the most, just understanding, you know, basic blitz pickup and pass pro principles. And, William, I wanted to ask you about that. Uh, you played the position uh, at Alabama on the O-line. I know this is um, – now they uh, they are now, I believe, six, seven games in. They're six and one uh, after the victory over – uh, Mississippi State, but why do you think they're still having those issues with this group? Well, I mean, you know, without calling anybody out, you, I mean, you've got, you know, quite a few first-time starters out there. Right. Um, and and it's, it's a, it is easier to talk about, um, you know, when you're sitting here on a three-way phone conversation uh, versus having it happen, you know, live and in living color. I mean, certainly if the guy walks up pre-snaps and, and you know, kind of tells you what's coming, um, you know, it's easier to see as, you know, live bullets are flying. But when it happens in a delayed fashion, you know, either by, you know, a defensive end, you know, twisting around, um, you know, being lined up on the, the, the left tackle and, and twisting around into that A or B gap um, or a delayed blitz from an inside linebacker or a safety, um, you know, it, it's a little bit harder. Once you get engaged with somebody, that kind of becomes your – you know, your focus, but it, it's almost like a zone block uh, between a center and a guard. You know, you're blocking an area, you know, not a single man. So you, you two guys basically have that area and, you know, and it tends to be, um, you know, like say if you're running a lead play through the four hole with the right guard and the right tackle and, and it's a, you know, a, a, a strong right formation, the Mike linebacker is going to be shaded over to your side. And if there's a three technique, you know, lined up on the outside shoulder of the right guard, the, the, the left guard and the right tackle are going to come off together on that three technique. And whichever way that linebacker flows, you know, if he comes into the A gap, the tackle's got to take the three technique over. You know, if he flows outside, the right guard's got to take that three technique over and the tackle has to disengage and go up to the next level. It's, you know, it's almost like a damn, uh, ballet or a dance program when you get down into it it's 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 something that's you know like a third grader learning his multiplication tables it's just live reps after live reps after live reps before you you know the, the cognization kicks in and you and you realize and, and don't just totally lock in I mean when you're blocking somebody 
you know, in pass protection, you still have to be aware of what's going on around you because, you know, things can change in an instant. Well, and, and William, I wanted to also say that I was pleased and wanted to get your thoughts on, we did see finally uh, Bryce Young as a runner a little bit. And I thought that the times that he chose to take off, it was a, he did an outstanding job, uh, nearly uh, tight roping the sideline for an amazing touchdown run and went down at the one yard line. Alabama still scores on that, uh, on that drive, a four yard run from Brian Robinson. But uh, you know, uh, hopefully he'll get more and more comfortable in using his mobility, which I think was a, a big part of that game yesterday. It also helped, of course, when they didn't pick up the blitz probably a few times, he's able to extend plays. But I thought overall it was a really strong performance from Bryce. Yeah, and I think, you know, along with the offensive line cleaning up some pass pro stuff, I think that's probably the second thing um, that, that I think could take this offense to the next level is is you know what what point is it in signing a dual threat quarterback if you don't use him as a dual threat and, and i think getting him involved in some rollouts um you know back in the day we would have plays where you know the off guard um say the you know if it was a play that was going to the right the, the left guard would pull and kind of become like a lead blocker this this is a rpo play before there was an rpo concept and, you know, the quarterback would roll out and you would kind of flood the right side of the field with one wide receiver, a tight end, and the fullback um, kind of in a, in a flood flat route. And, you know, if all those things were covered, if, every, if the safety and the outside linebacker dropped into coverage, you know, the quarterback would give you a go call. And that meant for you to release downfield and basically become a lead blocker for the quarterback running. I'm not saying that's how they're going to, diagram it up in, in 2021 but you know I, I just think it's you know you you you've got a tool there in your tool belt that you're not using and, and like you saw last night when you know he makes the decision or feels comfortable to take off and run uh, that puts a lot of stress on that defense because the young man is so elusive and, and has such good wheels and I just think you know if you put a couple of tweaks in there um, you know, for that to be a, you know, at least a threat for opposing defenses to have to think about, um, it would just make that offense more effective and more dangerous. And then before I go to Thomas and get some thoughts on defense, your thoughts on the emergence of Treshawn Holden, uh, who had his best game, got a touchdown catch, three catches for 70 yards. The tight ends, Jaleel Billingsley was not targeted on Saturday. And then uh, we saw Cameron Latou targeted a couple of times. And quite frankly, I thought he had two drops. I'm a little bit worried about, you know, getting in his head and him losing his confidence that he had built up before the start of this season. But the tight ends non-existent last night, but Treshawn Holden emerging. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what my first thought was when I saw how big the cat is. Um, you know, if 19 doesn't want to get his head out of his ass, let, let Holden take his spot. I think they're about the same size. Um, I mean, he, he is a you know, a big bodied wide receiver that, uh, you know, I don't necessarily think he's quick twitch from the standpoint that, you know, he's a guy that you want to be throwing a lot of bubble screens to, but man, once he gets going, he can go. And, uh, you know, you could tell how excited he was and how excited his teammates were for him when he scored that touchdown late. Um, and, and you always like to see that somebody that, you know, has had to sit over there on the bench for several weeks and wait their turn 
and, and when they get their number called and they, they execute and produce, I mean, that's just going to give, you know, the coaching staff more confidence in them to call that number more often. Like, again, you know, when you have somebody like that that emerges, you know, now all of a sudden, you know, when, uh, you know, the Tennessee defensive staff sits down tonight and, uh, you know, starts game planning, you know, they're going to have to, uh, I'm not saying they're going to highlight number 11's name, but they're certainly going to, you know, circle it and say, you know, hey, we got to account for this guy. I mean, if he gets into space and, and you know, gets some speed built up, he, he has a chance to take it the distance. Um, so, you know, I think it's great, to, you know, to, to see that happening. And, you know, I thought it was a little bit puzzling that, you know, Billingsley wasn't targeted. And, and like you said, um, you know, it looks like Latu's, you know, hearing either footsteps or voices, one or the other, maybe both. But, you know, I, I do think Alabama, especially, you know, I think, uh, um, you know, with Mechie, um, you know, kind of getting back to what we saw out of him last year um, in last night's game, you know, all of a sudden that wide receiver rotation is, you know, you know, got, you know, I had two wide receivers last night go for at least 100 yards. If both of them, you know, weren't over it, they were close to it. So, um, it's so funny. I was listening to a radio show today, going to the gym and, you know, some Alabama fans were calling in and bitching and complaining about Bryce Young, not having a good deep ball. Well, uh, guess what? I, you know, th there's no difference if you throw a 45 yard bomb for a touchdown or a five yard dump pass and the wide receiver takes it 45 yards for a touchdown. It's still 45 yards worth of pass receptions. <laughs> And you know, only at Alabama would you have fans calling into a radio show bitching about a Heisman Trophy candidate. <laughs> I would agree with that. I had people, William, it's 35 to 9 last night. That guy DM me. He's a great guy. I, you know, he's a really nice man. He lives in Florida. But he just said, Drew, man, why are we not dominating both lines of scrimmage? And I'm like, it's 35 to 9. So, I mean, I, you know, I – I know that these fans have extremely high expectations, but sometimes it just makes you kind of shake your head because you're thinking, wow, I mean, what more can you do? I thought they were, were dominating. And as I told somebody last night, and Thomas, I'm going to bring you in on this thought, uh, I thought the defense, I liked the lineup change as much as I've criticized Daniel Wright, and I'm still not a huge fan, I'll admit that. But the, the kid has ball skills, and – while he's not the most physical guy and he had a big missed tackle in the game, he does have more range. Uh, again, he does have ball skills. So I like the fact that they, you know, they, they moved Helms to the bench because I feel like he just doesn't have the range or the speed they need back there. And then with six DBs, we saw quite a bit of Brian Branch and Malachi Moore together. I just thought that the defense as a whole looked much more focused, much better. And the, the, the missed tackles were to a minimum last night. Your thoughts on Pete Golding and the defense and the performance against the air raid? Well, when Will Anderson is unlockable for three and a half quarters, you can cover right. a lot of mistakes. But, you know, that, that doesn't – that should not take away from what was, to me, the best defensive performance Alabama has had all year. I think Southern Miss is in the – same area, but Mississippi State, yeah, much better than Southern Miss, just period, end of story. So, I, overall, I, I think the defense took another step forward. Uh, I think that the fact that the air raid wants to throw the ball 50 times 
allowed Alabama to simplify how they wanted to play things as opposed to going ridiculously multiple to get into the perfect set all the time. I'm not uh, – I, I have never been a fan of that tendency, even though it does play into kind of Nick Saban's neuroticism when you're having trouble getting the calls in before the snap. And uh, spoiler alert, expect a lot of the defense that Alabama fans saw against Ole Miss again against Tennessee because those offenses are remarkably similar. But spoiler alert, like I say – Overall, just an, a good performance. Uh, I think the thing that I, I'm the happiest about, like as an Alabama fan, Drew, was the effort. I thought players, they were engaged from the snap, you know, from the opening kick, excuse me. They were, they wanted to be there. They wanted to play at a high level. And you saw that with better fundamentals, better tackling, a lot of swarming to the ball. I, I just... I'm never going to – this defense will never get to the point of, like, the 2011 defense statistically. I would argue, frankly, no one will ever be the 2011 defense statistically again, given how the rules have evolved. But anyway, the thing about it is effort and good fundamentals cover up for schematic deficiencies, whether people don't – whether players don't understand the scheme or they get confused. If you really want to talk about what killed Alabama – in, against Texas A&M, and what really hurt Alabama against both Ole Miss and Florida, the teams that are really in the same talent orbit as the Crimson Tide, was the missed tackles and the fundamentals breakdowns. You, know, you have uh, the Ole Miss running back dead to rights for a two-yard loss. He breaks a tackle. It's a five-yard gain. You do that too many times, and suddenly the offense is in rhythm, and you're starting to struggle. You're starting to press. And if there's one thing you can count on with Pete Golding is anytime the offense gets rolling, he's going to send the same double A gap blitz that's not going to work and give up an easy conversion. I mean, we used to have third and Kirby. This is officially third and Golding. Uh, and it's, it drives me nuts, but at this point it isn't going to change. So just overall, I thought Alabama played, particularly defensively, played an excellent game. You have to be really excited for Will Anderson because everybody saw Will Anderson's call to arms, for lack of a better phrase, on Monday, I believe it was. Well, if you're going to start holding people responsible and be a leader, that's fine. But when you do that, you have to perform. And arguably the best defensive end, defensive end rush linebacker performance that Alabama's had since the 92 defense, just on a one-game sample size. So not only did Will Anderson answer the bell after he called his teammates out, he put together a performance for the ages. And it really was Anderson being the trigger man that would force uh, the Mississippi State quarterback, whose name has flown out of my head, forced him off his spot and really helped the defense be as good as they were. Will Rogers. Thank you, yeah. Will Rogers. I apologize. It, long day today. But it, it's just one of those things where if Alabama is able to do stuff like that, and another thing worth discussing is Dallas Turner is not Drew Sanders, but Dallas Turner is learning, literally being thrown into the fire. I don't think he made very many mistakes last night, and every rep, no matter the quality for Dallas Turner against – a t an opposing team, 
is a good one because Dallas Turner is extremely athletic. Uh, we've seen, you know, whether you've been in a scrimmage or at A-Day, him do some remarkable things athletically. And as he continues to learn the position and the ins and outs, that can give Alabama another bash brother to go next to Will Anderson. So just overall, great performance. If Alabama maintains that level of effort through the year, you have to feel really good about their chances to run the table. But I sincerely hope that the Alabama team, not just the defense, understands that Georgia doesn't matter in the second week of December or whenever the heck it is. What matters is coming home to play Tennessee, a team that, if you ignore the mass amounts of crap that got thrown in at Neyland Stadium, does some things that will cause the defense some heartburn, Drew. Yeah, it certainly does. I mean, Tennessee is improved. They can score. I was a little surprised at, at where, where the game ended up as far as uh, the definitely t- you needed to take the under in that Ole Miss-Tennessee game. Both defenses played better than I thought they would. I'm still mystified at Joe Milton, who we may very well see at starter. We don't know the Hendon Hooker health situation. He went out at the end of that game. Why the hell Joe Milton channeled his inner Jalen Hurts and just ran out of bounds without throwing the ball on fourth down, I'll never know. Because he nearly completed it to win the game last night just over Cedric Tillman's hands. I was shocked when he didn't throw the ball and he just ran out of bounds. It reminded me of Jalen Hurts in the 2017 Iron Bowl on fourth down. You got to throw the ball. But at the very same time, I think we understand that Tennessee's a a well-coached team, a much better team uh, than they've been in the past. And they are capable of scoring on offense. They run a similar scheme to that of Ole Miss. Now, Alabama defended it very well. But, uh, Thomas, what I want to see is I want to see Alabama's defense play two good games, uh, you know, back-to-back before this bye week and and totally put the debacle against Texas A&M for, you know, the first half and then the end of the ball game, the last five minutes in the rearview mirror. Because with what we saw from the Ole Miss game for, you know, three and a half or three and three quarters quarters, and then what we saw yesterday for, I thought, really close to a full 60 minutes, this defense, it's not Georgia, but they're very capable. Certainly. And let's just get into what Tennessee does so that fans who didn't get a chance to watch maybe the Ole Miss game last night or any other game that's been you – know, the, the other game that you might have watched is the Pittsburgh game because it was on um, not around Alabama. Tennessee will, will run an offense very similar to Ole Miss's, particularly the Ole Miss game from last year where the offense scored 48 points. They're – Far split ends, the wide receivers that are on the furthest away from the formation, are going to be split to almost the sideline. Uh, it'll be, they will be within a yard of out of bounds every play. The point of doing something like that is to essentially take a DB out of the play. So they're playing 10 on 10. And what is, going from there, they want to do RPO stuff. They want to do zone read stuff. Uh, the running quarterback is a thing. Hendon Hooker almost brought Tennessee back by himself last night. Unfortunately, near the end of the game, he took an injury that status is up in the air. Watching it live, the way he went off the field, I will be stunned if he's available. But you know, I haven't gotten any kind of inside source on that. So it's so you're going to want to see you're going to see that. And the other thing is, even if this offense is struggling. 
they are going to go 900 miles an hour. They have was highlighted on the broadcast last night. They're a top five team in terms of how many seconds are left on the play clock when they snap it. They want to run a play roughly every 20 to 25 seconds. And what does that mean for Alabama? It means that if there's a struggle for this Alabama defense – Tennessee can move down the field really fast and start getting a ton of plays accrued against them. That's not what you want to see, but it can certainly happen. On the other side of the entire endeavor, means quick three and outs. And if that happens, Tennessee doesn't have the defensive depth to hold up against a physical Alabama offensive attack. But, you know, like you said, Drew, I completely agree. Start stringing good defensive performances together. You know, if Alabama, if we're talking this time next Sunday and Alabama has won, oh, let's, I'll just grab a score out of the air. I actually haven't thought of my score yet. If Alabama's won 42 to 10, let's just pull a score out of the air. And in, in doing that, the Alabama defense holds Tennessee to 80 to 100 yards less than their average. I'll be over the moon. Like, I, I don't, I'm not even that worried about points in general. I'm worried about yards because with Tennessee, they're, they're not going to hit you early, really. They're going to get you into the 60, 70, 80, 90 play area and just start ripping off chunks because you're exhausted. If Alabama's defense is able to, you know, hold 80 to 100 yards under Tennessee's averages, I'll feel very confident with this defensive group going forward because – as unfortunate as Drew Sanders' injury is, he will come back, or at least he's been slated to come back for Alabama towards the end of the season, so he can provide a key boost going into the last couple of games. So I would be over the moon if that were to play out like that, Drew. Yeah, I think Drew Sanders is going to be back for LSU after the bye would be my guess right now. Uh, but I think we've seen some good things out of Dallas Turner. I thought it would be had an underrated performance in start. Uh, excuse me. In, uh, in College Station, and I think he was solid last night as well, especially for a true freshman, uh, no doubt about it. Just wanted to give a quick update during our podcast. Trevon Diggs doing his greatest defensive player of the year performance. He had his seventh interception in six games as he just picked off Mac Jones and took it to the house. 26-21 Dallas with just over two minutes to go. Both uh, he has played well today. So has Mac Jones. So has Damian Harris. It's really and uh, Mari Cooper. It's really been an Alabama info commercial here. But just wanted to congratulate Trevon Diggs, who uh, unbelievable uh, year for him for Dallas. He and Rod Woodson now the only players ever to have seven interceptions in six games, and he's taken at least half of them to the house. He's just been an amazing football player. I interviewed him when he came out of high school. We all know he's Stephon Diggs' younger brother. He was a receiver when he first got to Bama. He moved to corner uh, under Nick Saban and has been developed into maybe the best cornerback in the National Football League. He was a second-round pick of the Dallas Cowboys. I just wanted to throw that in there for people that listen to this podcast and just to understand how good the Alabama program is because Diggs is being developed into one of the best. And now Matt Jones has just thrown an 80-yard touchdown pass to retake the lead. I'm sorry I had to do some play-by-play. This is unbelievable as the, uh, the New England Patriots have retaken the lead on the Dallas Cowboys with 2-11 left, and Trevon Diggs just got beat for a deep touchdown. So this is definitely an Alabama Info commercial, everybody. Unbelievable game going on here in Foxborough. 
but just had to have a quick interrupt there. It's still Alabama football. What a throw by Mac Jones. Unbelievable. Oh, that, but, uh, that's, that's going in the tweet. You're getting pub for that, Drew. <laughs> I mean, this, this is un- unreal. I mean, there's still over two minutes to go, so Dallas has got plenty of time to win this. But Trevon Diggs undercut it, thought he could pick it, and he got burned. But he's had a great year anyway. But Mac Jones showing why he is going to be a special player for the New England Patriots. He bounces right back from the interception to throw the to throw the touchdown, and they will go for two here. Uh, but unbelievable performance here by Mac Jones today against Dallas, who's got one of the best defenses in the National Football League. Uh, but now he's going to try to go for two here. They gave him some time to throw. He throws it, and it's good. And it's now 29-26 to 26 New England leads over the Dallas Cowboys. So a great uh, sequence there for Mac Jones. And, of course, we can now piggyback on that and go back and talk some more uh, Alabama football. But, William, uh, going back to what Thomas said about the defense, we, we've heard your offensive observations and what impressed you from Alabama and Starkville. Uh, can, you can piggyback off some of the thoughts Thomas had. What was your thoughts defensively about how the team played on uh, Saturday night? Well, you know, Thomas and I were talking about this before before you got on and we started recording. Drew, I, I think the, um, you know, the, the the biggest takeaway for me was exactly what he said. I mean, the kids looked like they were engaged. They looked like they were having fun. You know, a lot of positive energy. I mean, you saw some guys um, that have kind of been struggling over the last couple of weeks have some nice performances last night, but. You know, this damn Will Anderson. Um, oh. You know, I'm sure there's a lot. Of, I'm sure there's a lot of Alabama fans that watched that game last night, and they're like, "Man, I'm glad that Scott Lashley got gone." Well, no, he very well could have been the starting right tackle this year had he stuck around. Um, you know, Will Anderson did some things last night that you don't even see on Sundays the way that guy can bend and twist and contort his body. Uh, you know, I don't like to make this comparison because I think they're different, you know, different players. He's a lot longer um, than Derek Thomas was, but that that's the only thing I can think of. And, you know, there, there was one time where, um, Lashley had done a pretty good job on an outside speed rush that Anderson was putting on him. And the quarterback certainly didn't help Lashley out very much because he should have stepped up into the pocket. But I mean, Anderson was just able to bend his body so far around, you know, the pocket and, and, you know, disengage and sack the quarterback. I mean, you you just don't see that um, on, on your average Saturday college football game. And, um, you know, kind of like Thomas said, I mean, you know, he's a guy as a second-year player. Um, you know, and I think Bryce Young's having to do it on the other side of the ball being a first-year starter. Um, you know, he, he talks the talk. He walks the walk. Um, you know, we heard all the urban legends this summer, um, you know, about him having to be removed from, you know, pass, passing drills um, and best on best just so the offense – um, could execute, well, guess what? If you don't think it was true after watching what he did by himself last night, then there's no hope for you. Uh, but just a special, special talent. Um, and, and, you know, there again, I mean, he, he's a guy that um, has just an ungodly amount of God-given ability. And, I, you know, he shows up every day and, you know, practices like a walk-on trying to make the 125-man roster. There's just not enough – 
you know, positive things you can say about the guy. Um, you know, he leads by example. Um, you know, I love the way he handled the press conference last Monday in front of the, the media when he was pretty much bullied into, you know, giving his remarks as to what he said for the team. And, and you know, he, he's a guy that you can just tell by watching how he conducts himself. You know, he came to Tuscaloosa because he wanted to be a part of that standard that Nick Saban, you know, has, has had in place for so many years. And, you know, it, it, it pisses him off that, you know, he's out there, you know, giving it, giving it to everybody like he is a damn walk-on trying to make the roster, and he doesn't feel like, you know, he's getting that same output from some of his defensive teammates. But, you know, just, just the overall, you know, vibe that you got, you know, in that game, watching everybody get excited when – um, you know, Jordan had all the, the, the interceptions, um, you know, just celebrating and, and, you know, being happy, the enthusiasm, um, you know, I thought the defensive line as a whole, um, you know, played a, a much better game. Um, you know, you saw Fidarian Mathis kind of getting back to, uh, you know, when, when Anderson or one of the outside guys does kind of flush the quarterback up into the interior of the pocket, you know, he was there you know, winning his one-on-one matchups with the center of the offensive guard. So, I mean, I thought um, Toa Toa and, and Christian Harris um, had, had, you know, their best game of the season. They were very active. They were, you know, tackling better. Um, you know, after the, you know, the first couple of drives, um, you know, by Mississippi State, you know, you know they moved the ball and, um, you know, it was more of a bend but don't break type stuff. But, um, you know, I'll take field goals all day long, um, you know, versus what we saw, um, you know, last weekend versus Texas A&M. I, I, I was very impressed um, j- just with the team, you know, overall. I mean, a- everybody looked engaged. It looked like, you know, they took Nick Saban's comments. And, you know, you saw Nick come out at the end of the week and, you know, say that he was impressed by the way the team had, you know, come back and practiced. So, you know, that, that practice carried over into Saturday night. And, you know, they've got to build on that. I think they're going to, you know, really appreciate being coming, you know, coming back home to Bryant-Denny this Saturday. And, um, you know, with the way Tennessee has, uh, you know, performed so far this season, I think you're going to see some of the uh, enthusiasm and, and vitriol get cranked back up between that rivalry. And, I, you know, I think Bryant-Denny's going to be rocking Saturday. Yeah, I think it really will. I mean, there's going to be a lot of excitement. I mean, Tennessee is better. Alabama's playing, uh, coming off of their best performance of the year and playing better football. I mean, that's a great point, William. And uh, and and I know I was mentioning it to Thomas beforehand, but and they are they are tweaking some things defensively. Uh, again, never been a, a huge Daniel Wright fan because he makes you know mental errors, but maybe he's going to step up. Uh, at the end of his senior year. We've seen it happen with guys if the light finally comes on. But I think the secondary looked better with him in the lineup in place of Helms. Yeah, I was giggling when you and uh, Thomas were talking about that a little bit earlier. And they, they threw Helms in there at the end, and he missed another tackle. I don't know if you saw that or not. Yeah, he, he, now he, he, he did miss. And, and, and early in the game on a big third down, uh, right did too, 
but I do. I am more confident in Wright as a ball hawk because to me it always seems like Helms was a heartbeat late. Now he did have two interceptions this year, one off of a bad read from the QB when he thought the the receiver was gonna keep was gonna stop on the route and he kept running the route down the sideline, and another on a tip ball. But I just think Daniel Wright has better you know ball skills, and if you want to go with somebody back there who hopefully, you know, will maybe give you a better chance to force turnovers. I think I started thinking, William, about what Coach Saban said during the week when he said we don't have any forced fumbles as far as turnovers. We've only got one forced fumble all year. And then he was talking about really the lack of being disruptive and forcing the team uh, to turn the ball over. Now, they did change up some coverages. Coach Saban admitted it last night. They called the package thief. We saw Jordan Battle get two picks last night, William. We saw – Alabama get three picks as a, as a defense. Uh, but I thought overall, though, the secondary looked more cohesive last night. No, and I, and I think that was probably where I noticed the, the biggest uptick in enthusiasm. Um, the DBs were coming up in run support and acting like they wanted to tackle. They, they tackled effectively. Um, you know, I, I do think that defensive backfield is, is a much better unit when Malachi Moore is not sitting on the bench with a targeting penalty. Um, I think he's a big factor back there. There's a reason why he was considered the best true freshman defensive back in college football in 2020. Uh, But, you know, you saw Jalen Arbor Davis. You saw Josh Job. I mean, all of them were aggressive. They were coming up and run support. They they were um, much more – uh, willing to beat blocks and, and come up and blow up some of the bubble screens. Um, you know, like I said, I, I think all three levels of that defense, um, you know, came much closer to performing to the standard. And, and you know, I, I don't care if it's Vanderbilt. Well, maybe that's not a good example. Um, <laughs> you know, let's, let, let's switch it back over to the SEC West. I, I think anytime, you know, the Alabama defense can keep a, SEC West opponent from scoring a touchdown during a game, then, then the defense has done their job. Yeah, I think they have, no doubt about it. And then, uh, William, your thoughts on the matchup with Tennessee. They're a better team. They're a more uh, potent offensive team than we've seen in recent past. They like to go fast like Ole Miss, uh, but yet we don't know about the availability of Hendon Hooker. Joe Milton has been unimpressive. Uh, though he is a good athlete, he has running ability. His passing ability brings into question whether he's accurate enough. But we've all seen this. Zach Calzada had the game of his life against Alabama, he, and he was solid against Missouri, but nowhere near what he did against the Tide with 285 yards. But how do you kind of look at it when you see the Tennessee matchup? Well, the first thing I would say is, you know, Thomas seems to be pretty convinced that Hooker's not going to be available. Right. And I started laughing like, well, that might change if Jimbo emails uh, Josh Heifel, whatever the hell that was, that he gave Calzada in the tent last Saturday night. <laughs> um, his, his availability might change real quick. But uh, let's hope that FedEx package doesn't get to Knoxville. But, right. uh, you know, I, I think, you know, this is going to be a – you know, if, if, if Alabama hadn't have played Ole Miss – um, you know, this might be something that I think, you know, based on not seeing it before might provide the defense more of a challenge. But, you know, they've seen, a, you know, an offense already that, you know, likes to, uh, you know, get, get two plays in, in 40 seconds. And, um, you know, I, I expect the, uh, you know, the offense, you know, to continue to grow. And, 
um, you know, continue to put up points. Um, you know, it was good to see, you know, I think that was the other thing is, you know, after all the bitching and complaining after last Saturday, um, did anybody actually think that that first trip down there inside the red zone that Bill O'Brien was going to throw a pass? <laughs> Not at all. Uh, especially after what Nick Saban <laughs> kind of uh, let out in the media that they needed to kind of go back and look at how they attacked uh, in the red zone and that they probably didn't give the running game enough of a shot. Uh, but certainly, uh, you know, uh, the, the running game in the red zone was improved on Saturday. And I'll be honest, William, uh, Zach Barnett's impressed me. I thought Mississippi State, I know the final score was 49-9, to but I thought Mississippi State, uh, their defense was pretty salty. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, they, they've got a, you know, a defensive lineman named uh, uh, Nathan Pickering that Alabama wishes they had on their defensive line. I mean, they've got some dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that was another highlight of the game for me because uh, I don't know what Roy Dell's true measurements are, but he's not a very big – he's certainly not Brian Robinson in, in, in physical stature. But, you know, him just absolutely tooling out the Mississippi State DB there in the fourth quarter was uh, – it was a nice little uh, Saturday evening present for me. I always love to see, uh, um, you know, a guy that, that thinks he can. And, uh, you know, once that collision takes place, he's like, you know what, I don't think I'm going to try that again. Yeah. I mean, it was just – it was an amazing uh, performance, though, by Alabama on both sides of the ball, I thought. Really gritty, really focused. And uh, just to give you guys another update, it was third and 25 after a couple penalties. The Cowboys pick up 24, and they just kick a long field goal with 20 seconds to go. So we're tied at 29 in this University of Alabama Alumni Fest in Foxborough, Dallas, and the uh, New England Patriots could very well end up going to overtime. Mac Jones will have 27. Well, after the kickoff, probably uh, around, you know, depending on if they fair catch it or not, probably, you know, 15, 16 seconds. I would imagine the the, uh, the New England Patriots would want to keep more time on the clock, so they'll probably just fair catch it. Well, it'll be out of the back of the end zone. So, Mac Jones has got 20 seconds to try to get his team into field goal range. You never know. They scored first play last time, so we'll see what Mac can do. But it's been quite an interesting game while we brought to this BAMS radio. But I do think that Alabama is going to handle Tennessee for the 15th straight time. Uh, Thomas brings up a great point about the quarterback not being available. Hooker has been the key to their attack. Uh, they were going nowhere fast, really, under Joe Milton. They weren't consistent, much more consistent and balanced uh, under Hendon Hooker. Uh, but uh, Joe Milton would likely be the guy that would uh, be asked to take the snaps. I don't think it will be Harrison Bailey. I still like Alabama, uh, you know, in, 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 you know, to, to, and they've really dominated this series. And what I mean is most of the games have not been close. I think only 2009, 2015 have gone down to the latter stages of the fourth quarter. I don't expect this one to either. I think Tennessee, while they're well coached on both sides of the ball, they're, they're banged up on both sides against this Alabama team. Who knows? They have a bye next week. I do think they're re-energized with this effort against Mississippi State. So I, I like Alabama in the game. I'm going to say – around 41 to 13. I think they're going to subdue Tennessee and do it impressively. Bryce Young playing very well. Brian Robinson able to, you know, run the football and provide balance. The O-line took some steps forward. Now they've got to do it too straight uh, and handle Tennessee's front. But I don't think this is a 
ultra uber talented Tennessee defense. I think they're overachieving, but I think it's a bad matchup for the Vols. So I, you know, I, and I think that Will Anderson can continue to have success. Both the Mays brothers are hurt. The O line's banged up. This smells to me like a seven or eight sack performance. With what we saw this past week from Alabama, I think they can replicate it next week, and I think they can win this game big. But Thomas, what are your thoughts? How do you see that matchup, Alabama and Tennessee? I think Tennessee just put a ton of emotion into that Ole Miss game. Right. I I, th- I think that is going to really cause problems for this Tennessee team. Their their defense just played a hundred plays and their offense played something like 80. That's going to be really hard to turn around and go into a physical altercation with an Alabama defense, an Alabama offense that, as we said before, just played a, played their best game. I don't, I don't think there's any way around it. I think Alabama played their best game last night so far. I have Alabama winning comfortably. I think it's going to get pretty ugly because I think Tennessee's – I think they uh, – they put a lot into last night, and they're not going to be able to bounce back very effectively, particularly without Hendon Hooker. Uh, we won't know about Hendon Hooker. I just know that when he left the field last night it, uh, for Tennessee, he could not put any weight on one of his legs. So, yeah. So, so you would think, you would think that would cause issues. But anyway, I think Alabama's going to get up to forty-nine again. I have Alabama winning forty-nine seventeen. I think it's going to be one of those games where. They'll, I don't even think Tennessee's going to have early success. I think it's going to be one of those situations where Tennessee tries to do the tempo thing and Will Anderson blows it up and Joe Milton's going to struggle. And that's going to be a combination of not a lot of plays and Alabama's just going to, run, just going to wear down what's going to be a tired Tennessee defense, Drew. Yeah, I think I would agree with you. And I just think we figured out yesterday – that uh, the the Eastern Division is a lot weaker than the West, and how in some of the results we saw, Kentucky just doesn't have enough. They're a good football team, but they can't compete with Georgia. They fall short. It was under the number, thirty to thirteen, but still, for most of the game, they got dominated. And then we see what Florida does against LSU. The East is just a weaker division. That's all there is to it, and I think that'll play itself out on Saturday as well. William, uh, I. Do, do you like Alabama to, to win uh, as comfortably as Thomas and I predicted, or what do you what are your thoughts really on that? Well, I mean, you know, one thing I wanted to mention before, because sure. I was very impressed by the young man's, um, you know, toughness. Um, and, and I thought it was a very bizarre injury, um, you know, considering the, the the lack of impact that was made on his throwing shoulder. But you know, it was obvious that Will Rogers played last night. Um, you know, after he got the, the slap on his throwing arm early in the game. And, and you know, I think, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, every member of the Alabama defense went by and shook that kid's hand because I was very yeah. impressed with the way he, came, he stayed in there and, um, you know, went, went through a lot of pain to try and help his team win a football game. But, uh, no, I, I think this uh, guy and I just, I just got to thinking these poor kids, they've probably already had a full day of, listening to Rocky Top in the dorm, the cafeteria, the locker room. Um, I mean, I, I, I still don't miss that. Um, I, that I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a part of, it's a part of your you – know, see, we, when I was playing, our off weeks were always the week before Tennessee and the week before Auburn. So we, we got that crap for two weeks straight. But, um, 
you know, I, I think Alabama's going to build on what you saw last night. Um, you know, I think the one area in, in the limited amount of time that I've watched Tennessee play this season, um, and, and Thomas nailed it, the only two games I've seen has been a little bit last night versus Ole Miss and the Pittsburgh game. They do do a good job of attacking the 10 to 15-yard middle of the defense um, with their tight ends, and they've got some tall, rangy tight ends that could be matchup problems for Toa Toa and Harris and the, the Alabama safeties. Um, you know, I, I, I have seen enough of that to, you know, where it gives me a little bit of concern. But um, I just don't think they've got the depth and the dudes on defense to, um, you know, make this a close game. Um, you know, I, I see Alabama winning this thing, uh, you know, 42 to 17, um, you know, somewhere in that. And it, and it could be uglier than that because um, I, I do think what Thomas brought up um, with as much you know, mental and physical energy as they put into the to the Lane Kiffin homecoming game last night. Um, despite the rivalry, you know, these kids, um, you know, were, were, you know, watching Mario Brothers and Speed Racer or whatever the cartoons are um, in the last 15 years, the last time they saw a Tennessee team beat Alabama. Um, hell, I guess they were three, three and four years old. Um, the last time that Alabama lost a game to Tennessee, but um, it was you three know, or four coaches. Ago. It was three, it, William. It was three or four coaches ago for the Vols. That should let you. That, that's a good barometer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was actually Phil, two or three Phil, presidents Phil ago too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Phil Fulmer was still roaming the sideline. Um, you know, the last time that happened. So I guess it was 2006. Um, but you know, I, I just think that Alabama's you know got got too much horsepower um you know if the offense is performing and executing like they did last night um you know for for tennessee to make this a, a game pass maybe halftime um but we'll have to wait and see that's one of the fun parts about college football we we you know we're all pretty freaking confident you know uh you know two sundays ago going into that texas a&m game and you saw what happened so um you know we'll just have to wait and see but um I just I really want to see this team, you know, build on, uh, you know, what they saw last night, and and you know, hopefully between you know Will Anderson and Brian Robinson and uh, Bryce Young, I mean, hopefully they can you know buy into what the leaders are asking them to do, and uh, you know, go out there and play another you know complete four quarters this coming Saturday like they did last night, which you know, despite the small stadium size. Um, especially when they get those cowbells cranked up, that is a difficult place to play. It really is. Uh, it can be. And uh, Alabama took care of business, and we all like to see in that, no doubt about it. And uh, I think Alabama is going to, you know, perform and perform well. Uh, they're up to number four uh, in uh, the latest coaches poll, which you expected them to move up a little bit. Got to give uh, Cincinnati a lot of credit. Jerome Ford, former Alabama running back, 189 yards, four touchdowns uh, for him. So he had a tremendous uh, football game in their route of Gus Malzahn and Central Florida. And uh, Big Cat Bryant saying they could beat Auburn earlier in the year. That's really not reverberating very well uh, because uh, Gus is having a rough first season there, uh, you know, with the with uh, Central Florida. But I wanted to say, too, really quickly, I wanted to laud Nate Oates and Alabama basketball as we're wrapping up Bams Radio tonight. 
they went to Birmingham yesterday and played a private scrimmage in, the, in front of a select few. Uh, they scrimmaged with the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets and Josh Passner. Alabama winning said scrimmage 77-63 to 63, uh, impressively. And uh, some impressive performances. Keon Ellis had 16 points. Uh, he was matched by Jaden Shackelford, the junior guard, who uh, thought about transferring but came back. Uh, and so they both had 16 apiece. 14 for, gra- for graduate transfer Noah Gurley from Furman, uh, who will probably play that power forward slot. And then freshman Charles Bediaco, the center from IMG Academy, nearly seven feet tall. He's a Canadian. He had 11. Uh, didn't hear a line for J.D. Davidson. Uh, the point guard, or Javon Quinterly, but I, I take that as a bonus because both of those guys are extremely capable players. And so Nate Oates' group in this scrimmage uh, performs very well. And so that's an encouraging start as basketball practice is underway. And we'll continue to have some coverage from that. I'm going to try to cover in Foster Auditorium their exhibition game as they try to raise funds for Hurricane Ida relief. They will play the University of Louisiana next Sunday. Uh, after taking on the University of Tennessee. That game will be on Sunday. Hope to be in attendance to see that game, and we'll have a report. So uh, we I don't know if, if we'll have BAMS radio at the same time next week. We'll have to wait and see what my schedule is. But we will have an episode, uh, but uh, we don't know when it will be. It may be a little later on Sunday, or it may have to be later in the week, maybe Monday or Tuesday. But just to let you know, we're going to try to cover – uh, that Alabama basketball game against Louisiana as Nate Oates uh, going into year four, uh, or excuse me, year three, pardon me. Uh, you know, he's he's done an outstanding job uh, in the first two years of Alabama, getting them, uh, of course, back to the NCAA tournament and winning the SEC regular season and tournament championship last year. Year three, they are ranked in most top 25 to start the season. But a, a very impressive win over an NCAA tournament team last year in Georgia Tech who won the ACC tournament 77-63 to 63, and once again led by Jaden Shackelford, uh, certainly uh, Keon Ellis, uh, and then, of course, the younger guys, uh, or a transferring Gurley. He's actually an older guy, a grad transfer. Noah Gurley from Furman with 14, and then Charles Bidiaco, the young guy with 11. So we'll continue to bring you some Alabama basketball coverage as well as they continue to build their team and they continue to recruit. Their signing period is coming up in November. We'll continue to bring you some recruiting info. I'll bring you a little tidbit at the end of the show tonight. I am hearing Alabama is liable to, is uh, very likely to add a pledge this coming week with Traquan Fagans, who's now at Thompson High School, formerly of Oxford High School. He has decommitted from the University of Miami. Uh, they have imploded this year. Alabama really likes Fagans, but really wanted to watch him his senior year at Thompson now that he transferred. He's played at a very high level, and Traquan Fagans may end up being the next piece of the puzzle for Nick Saban. And he has two other brothers uh, at Thompson High School, one being a ninth grader who is said to be a future five-star. So Alabama getting their foot in the door once again and continuing a stronghold at Thompson High School. But wanted to wrap up our show tonight. We want to thank everyone. Uh, I'd say I was say you know, whoa, 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 hold up a second. I need some help with something. Yep. I don't I don't need any help with the football recruiting, but I'm tired of getting asked about this basketball recruit, Drew. You gotta give me some <laughs> some some insight here. Well what, what mean, about the what about the the uh the uh Bradley's partner there, Tyrese Walker. Where do you think oh, he's you gonna mean, end Drace, up? Drace Walker, yeah. He Drace, he yeah, actually, I'm sorry. 
he actually canceled his visit to Texas this weekend, and he's got it down to a final three of of Alabama, Auburn, and Houston. Now, many think he may visit Houston one more time on October the 29th uh, before Halloween. We'll see if that visit takes place. He did visit Auburn, I think, last week and, of course, visited with Jaden Bradley a couple weeks ago. I still think Alabama likes their chances with the young man. Uh, but, uh, you know, he is taking his time. He's a roommate of Jaden Bradley. And so we will see. We will see what happens going forward uh, with uh, with uh, Jarace Walker. He's a five-star, just like Jaden Bradley, who is the number one point guard in the country in his class. He's more of a Javon Quinterly type point guard, but more of a pass first. And that's no disrespect to Javon, who's an outstanding point guard in his own right. I'm just talking about stylistically. Uh, so, uh, he's a he's an outstanding player though, and so he's one to watch. I know they've been talking to Brandon Miller, the five star from uh, Canes Ridge, Tennessee, but he went on a visit to Kansas. Plus, he's been flirting with the idea of turning pro out of high school with one of these overtime elite or you know the G League affiliate, uh, a G League elite. So we'll see if he decides to turn pro. And then they also offered Nick Pringle the other day, who's a JUCO who uh, spent his first year. Uh, at Wofford, but now is in the junior college ranks. He's 6'9", and they really like him as well. And I'd also watch for a guard out of Richardson, Texas, named Ryland Griffin. He will take his last visit this month to Alabama. He's from Richardson, Texas. He's 6'5", and I know uh, that, uh, that Alabama's confident where they are with him, and Jaden Bradley is helping recruit him as well. So Alabama and Kamani Hamilton as well from the state of Mississippi – he has it down to Alabama and Mississippi State. I think Alabama is going to sign four or five guys in the early period. They'd like to get most of their recruiting done, and I think it's got a great chance to be another top ten class for NATOs because so many kids want to play in that style of play with the freedom offensively. Uh, as long as you defend and do your job, he gives you a lot of freedom to take threes. He likes to play positionless basketball. He likes to play four out, uh, you know, with one in. And Charles Bediaco will hopefully give them that shot blocker and rim protector this year uh, that they haven't had or they didn't have his first two seasons. So certainly some injuries to Amari Burnett have been frustrating and to, uh, you know, and, you know, but we'll see what happens with that, with that going forward. Uh, no doubt about it, but I think Alabama has got a chance to have a really good team again this year, maybe make another NCAA tournament run and NATO's Brian Hodgson, and Charlie Henry, Antoine Pettaway. They're certainly recruiting at a higher level than I've ever seen. Uh, you know, from uh, Alabama basketball. So certainly excited about that, no doubt about it. And uh, we'll continue to bring you coverage. And what, that was a little bit of a hoop up, uh, hoops recruiting update and report. And I will bring you a final score. Unfortunately, Mac Jones and the Patriots fall short. Uh, they had to punt the ball, and the Dallas Cowboys score a walk-off touchdown, touchdown pass uh, from uh, yeah, the, from uh, C.D. Lamb from Dak Prescott. So the Cowboys win the game uh, 35 to 29. And so I, a heartbreaking loss for Matt Jones, but certainly continuing to prove in his rookie season that he's got a bright future in the NFL. But for Thomas Watts, for William Redfish Barger, uh, we thank you guys for listening to BAMS Radio and continuing to support us. Uh, good night, everybody. And we'll come to you next week with a report after Tennessee. Also, hopefully a scrimmage report, or that's basically what it is. It's an exhibition game for Alabama basketball. Have some more hoops discussion, and uh, we'll continue to bring you Alabama coverage each and every week on BAMS Radio. Good night, and roll tide.